hello and welcome to the DeMarco Polo Show on 88.9 KUCI-FM. In Irvine, we are broadcasting from the University of California, Irvine campus, and we're on the web at KUCI.org and iTunes College Radio. I'm Barbara DeMarco Barrett, and uh, it's Monday, August 13th, 2012, and this is my summer show, and the aim of it is really to focus on Southern California people and issues. And today the focus of our show are the sea creatures, namely sharks and sea lions, seals, all those creatures that we love that we rarely see unless we're out there, unless we're working to help them. And so my guests in the studio are Dean Gomersall and CJ Bonson. Say hello, you guys. Hello, Barbara. <laughs> Hello, Barbara. Hello, everyone. The first half, um, we're going to focus on sea lions and whales and the Pacific Marine Mammal Center. Um, And Dean Gomersall, he's an animal care supervisor and facility manager at the Pacific Marine Mammal Center in Laguna Beach. Laguna Beach, yes. Laguna Beach. So, um, gosh, tell us. First, tell us about the center and what you do there, how long it's been there and, and its aim. Uh, the center is an amazing place. Uh, it's been there since 19. Well, we've uh, been running since 1971. It is the oldest marine mammal rescue on the West Coast. Uh, it was started by a couple of lifeguards that um, basically wanted to help these animals. They, there was nobody to help them, and so they started the place in their backyard. Eventually, moved to a smaller facility, and then in 1975, the uh, city of Laguna Beach let us have their um, old horse barn they used to use for their police. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's really neat. It's still, it's still a barn. We, ha- we still have the, the barn look and everything. Uh, but now it's surrounded by pools uh, where we rescue any marine mammal on the uh, California coastline in Orange County. And everywhere, anywhere from uh, Seal Beach all the way to San Onofre. Uh, mainly California sea lions, harbor seals, uh, fur seals. Um, elephant seals and uh, any whale or dolphin out there that needs help. So what was going on in, you said 1981? 1971. 1971. What was going on that that um, this center needed to be created? There was animals on the beach that uh-huh. were they're washing up and basically they would either just push them back out or they'd actually put them out of their misery and bury them right there. And who and were they? Animal control people? Animal control, uh-huh. the you know lifeguards, the general public. You know, there was no there was nobody really to police it until the next year, which mm-hmm. was 1972, happened to be the uh, Marine Mammal Protection Act started then, so we were a little bit ahead of our time. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of neat. So, and then how did you get into this sort of work? I used to work with uh, marine mammals at a marine life park, and um, I decided that I wanted to still work with marine mammals, but I didn't want to work in the park atmosphere anymore. So I drove all the way from San Diego to Seattle. Um, actually, it was from Florida at the time. I drove out here first and then drove all the way, like I said, up to from here to Seattle. And as soon as I was in Laguna Beach, I, of course, fell in love with Dana Point, Laguna Beach. I went to the uh, Weiland Gallery and asked somebody in there where I could go see sea lions. And they said, you could go to Crescent Bay and see them go kayaking out there. But if you really want to see sea lions, go to a place called Friends of the Sea Line. That was our old name. And I walked into the place. Uh, it was during El Nino, just right before El Nino, mm-hmm. and uh, there used to be a gift shop inside. So I walked to the gift shop, and then I looked into one of the offices, and there was a fence at the door of the office. And I looked inside, and there's two sea lions in there, one on the desk, one on the ground, papers everywhere. <laughs> the phone was off the hook. There was animal matter all over the papers. 
<laughs> you can hear the phone just uh, that's it I go I love this place this is, I want to work here you know <laughs> this is great there was not enough room for the animals so they had them in the gift shop mm-hmm. they had them in the offices and I, I went back to Florida got all my stuff and drove out here and uh, I volunteered for eight months and then got hired on so, so I've been there 14 years so backing up before that even how did where did your interest begin uh, when I was a child in Florida just mm-hmm. I loved the water I would I'd leave the house in the morning um, when we were on vacation in Sanibel Island or wherever we were and I'd be gone all day long mm-hmm. at the beach I'd, in my backyard we had a lake I'd, I'd get my snorkel gear on and I just loved that ended up getting into green marine biology um, when we moved to Texas and then I uh, went back to Florida to get my graduate degree and found out I couldn't afford that <laughs> so ended up working at a marine life park in Orlando for uh, almost eight years and then I trained uh, animals for a short period of time hmm. at Universal Studios mm-hmm. before I decided that this wasn't for me anymore. Interesting. Well, I didn't know that. You didn't know that, CJ? No, I didn't know he trained uh, animals at Universal. That's yeah. controversial these days. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is, yeah. So, uh, okay, so before we were talking, and I made you stop talking about what was <laughs> going on in uh, Irvine this past weekend with the sea lion rescue. Yeah, it was really interesting. We get some. Uh, the, the one thing that's really great about the center is you never know what you're gonna gonna do that day or what's gonna happen. There's always surprises. And um, this last Saturday, uh, I actually went into work to uh, do a practice um, on an elephant seal. We were gonna tag an elephant seal with a satellite tag, and so I went in the morning and we did a practice run through on it. And that was all. That's all I was gonna do. So I got on a train to go to Del Mar and go have fun and stuff. And as soon as I got on the train, my boss called me and said, "Dean, what are you doing? There's a sea lion that's going up the uh, channel through the back bay mm-hmm. of Newport mm-hmm. and up into Irvine." I go. I just got on a train. I said I could get off the next exit if you need me to, you know. And ended up there was a, you know, some, we have really good staff there. So they ended up going, uh, get catching the animal and. They took the animal to the harbor, and the harbor patrol said they would take the animal out. But once they saw the animal mm-hmm. and the cage, the animal was 700 pounds, the cage was 300 pounds, so that's a you know, total of 1,000 pounds, and they just said there's no way we can put that on the back of the boat. Mm-hmm. So they said, well, we'll just release it right here. So they released it into the harbor, and two days later, on Monday, <laughs> same thing, I'm about to leave work, <laughs> and uh, they said, Dean, you got come back. We have that sea lion back there again. So uh, me and some of the staff went down there. Ended up getting the animal um, fairly easily. We did a really good job. Our, our, our staff is very, very well trained. Uh, we uh, are trained to be very safe. Um, our, our safety, of course, is number one. We don't want anybody getting hurt. And so we safely got the animal into, into this big metal cage. Uh, three boarders boarded it down to where I had the cage and uh, put a net on the animal. And then we brought the cage over, put him in there. And then this time we took him out to San Onofre, nice and far away. So he's actually been spotted out there on the beach a couple mm-hmm, times. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a large California sea lion male bull, and this time of year is just the ending of rut. It's their breeding season. And so after their breeding season, they're pretty tired. So I think he was just probably trying to take a break somewhere. <laughs> and and, and the, uh, way. the females don't get near that big. No. Right? You should mention, what, 250? About 300 pounds. 300? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when they're that big, you know, it's a male mm-hmm. adult bull, and they can push, what, 1,000? Uh, 1,100 pounds is the biggest one we've had. Wow. Uh, it was an animal called uh, Captain Hook. He was called Captain Hook because he was going up and down the Newport and, and Balboa Piers collecting everybody's hooks, and they were all over his body. The first time we caught him. Um, well, what we do you mean collecting everybody's hooks? Just people fishing? Fishing. Guys, he fishing. was stealing their bait, and as he was going through, a hook would get stuck on his side, and he, he had something like 60 hooks on him. Wow. So uh, we first time we released him at 600 pounds. We released him at San Onofre. 
and the very next day he was at Balboa Pier, and the next week he was in the back bay mm -hmm. um, chasing people around a, <laughs> a, um, a trailer park. And so <laughs> we caught him, and then we called the, uh, the Coast Guard and said, we'd heard that you guys, when you go out to do training, you might be able to take this animal out mm -hmm. with you, and we'll take some people out there and, and take them out to, to um, San Clemente Island. And they said, that's a great idea, but can you wait a little while? Because National Geographic wants to do a story about uh, Long Beach and all the stuff that goes on there. And this would be a great story mm -hmm. for that. So we ended mm -hmm. up taking him out on, with National Geographic and releasing him out there. He's still out there, and he's really famous. And pe all the fishermen know him. Mm -hmm. He still steals you know, fish off people's hooks, but at least he's out there in the wild, you know, <laughs> living large. <laughs> You're listening to the DeMarco Polo Show on KUCI-FM in Irvine, and I'm with Dean Gomersall and C.J. Bonson, and we're talking about sea lions and all sorts of things, including whales. You, you guys also do whale rescues. We do. We're part of uh, the whale disentanglement team at Pacific Marine Mammal Center. Um, we're all trained through um, National Marine Fisheries Service and NOAA. Uh, they certify us to actually rescue um, and disentangle uh, large whales. It's actually a training program we have to go through. Um, there's a gentleman who is, uh, his name's Ed Lyman. He's from Hawaii, actually. And he is the only uh, level five rescue person on the West Coast. That basically, he can do any type of whale rescue and certify other people to do whale rescues. It's a very, very dangerous procedure. Um, we've had four whale rescues in the last, uh, last few years, actually three this year. And they were all successful disentanglements. Um, and nobody got hurt. So, What are they getting tangled up in? Uh, mainly gill nets mm -hmm. and a, a couple of mooring lines, mm -hmm. um, presumably from probably Mexico. The animals do the gray whales. They were all gray whales, and they all came from the south. And none of the gear was actually marked. And in the United States, you have to mark your gear with, with numbers. Um, and uh, none of them was none mm -hmm. of the gear was marked, so we just presume it was probably from Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, these uh, the, the gray whales are the only. Um, the only baleen whales that actually go into the mud and muck, and they'll dig stuff up out of the, out of the mud. Hmm. And so a lot of times there's ropes and lines under there, or they'll accidentally, you know, get stuck in old netting or netting that's still out there, you know. So Now, CJ, how did you get involved with the uh, Pacific Marine Mammal Center some time ago? Um, five, six years ago, maybe. Uh, it Because there's a filmmaker uh, who... Alan De Herrera, who decided to make a film about California sea lions, and uh, it uh, it centers a lot around PMMC, where Dean is, about their work, and no one had ever uh, featured them in a film, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and um, and so anyway, I met I met this uh, filmmaker and uh, at the Newport Beach Film Festival, and next thing you know, I started get, getting uh, involved in his next film, which is called uh, Seal Island, and uh, I started coming to the Marine Mammal Center to uh, actually watch him shoot and photograph. He, he was doing some of that there still, and, uh, and then we kind of started, next thing you know, we're uh, going out on Dean's boat um, to do some shooting and such, and, and uh, I went out on a couple um, runs, but I Dean's a big diver, and uh, and Alan, they're both big scuba mm -hmm, divers. Mm -hmm. I'm not really... I stay in the boat and watch the equipment, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, you know, you, when you were talking about the film, I recalled T. Jefferson Parker um, is a novelist who lived on Laguna Canyon for quite a while, and I think it was in his 
first novel, Laguna Heat, that he has a character who works or does something with the Pacific Marine Mammal Center, or with sea wow. lions on Laguna Canyon Road. And what year was that that he the, wrote that? The book that? came out, um, trying to think now, it was his first novel. It probably came out in 80, maybe around 1980. It was probably based on one of the original uh, people. John Cunningham and Jim Stoffer were two of the original people who started it. So I imagine yeah, they ago. were loosely based or, or made based on, remember on, on the, their character. Remember the sea lions or, you know, the, this character did volunteer work there. They were the lifeguards? Yes. Right? Yeah. Were they lifeguards in the... In no, it was a woman. It was a, oh, okay. a volunteer. But that okay. brings us sort of to our next, to my next, um, well, not, actually not yet. I don't want to talk about volunteers yet, but I want to talk about what people are doing to these creatures. I mean, what happens to them aside from just, you know, they get confused about where they are, they get sick or whatever. I mean, what, how do people figure in to what goes on and that makes your work so valuable? But there's, uh, besides just the animals, some of the animals that would normally probably die anyway, mm-hmm. um, the young animals that get lost from their, from their, um, their mothers, um, we get a lot of other things. We get direct and indirect uh, human um, effects, like you'll get animals that are entangled in, in fishing gear or um, the animals that are shot or that are poked by you know, sticks or whatever. Um, we rarely get animals that are hit by boats. Usually if an animal's hit by a boat, he's already sick. It's not like a manatee where mm-hmm, manatees can't mm-hmm. move out of the way. These guys here, the boats come in. So we rarely, rarely get animals that are actually hit we by boats. Do we have manatees here? No, we don't. Yeah. No. Okay. But I, that was just an example. <laughs> well, I, I know they were in Hawaii. Florida. From I was Florida <laughs> days. Florida. A lot of those yeah. guys get hit by boats because they uh-huh. just can't move out of the way fast yeah, enough. Yeah, because they're just slow. Sea lions and, and, and such are a little faster. So um, We get in, a lot of indirect stuff, though, too, where... Um, You'll get um, what's called, there's a thing called tomoic acid poisoning. And it basically is from a diatom that's, uh, it blooms when all these rains in California happen all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. You have all this farming and people's lawns and fertilizer out there. And all of a sudden the rains come and all this goes into the water. Well, that blooms um, this certain diatom called pseudonychia. And when it goes through the, the food system and gets uh, ingested um, by fish and then eventually by sea lions, um, it becomes a neurotoxin, um, and, and it's any animal that's eating a lot of food at that time. Mm-hmm. And at that time, which is the springtime, that's California sea lions and common dolphins. Mm-hmm. Those are the two most common species we see in, uh, we see demoic acid poisoning in. Uh, we had a huge year about 10 years ago where we had uh, over 112 animals at our facility. Um, and it was just like a triage unit. It was just mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. pen had four or five big females in it, and we had... You know, sub-Q lines and all the animals just trying to keep them alive. And was that because of a, a lot more rain that, that year? It pr- probably was. Is it, was it related that, to that? Uh, probably a dry spell before mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden a lot of rain and also high temperatures. It's like a, it's, it's like a red tie, but you just don't see it. You sure. Know? It's, a, it's a bloom. Um, so is the center, is it a non-profit? It is a non-profit. Then how, where do your funds come come from? Uh, we get general, the general public that comes mm-hmm. and visits. Uh, we have a uh, great development director, uh, Melissa Shockup, that um, she gets grants for us, mm-hmm. um, and we uh, throw fundraisers, um, yeah, all kinds of things. Yeah. And you can go actually go on our website, uh, pacificmmc.org, and uh, check out ways to, to help. So wh- how do people help? Because yeah, I'm assuming you use volunteers. We do use volunteers. Actually, volunteers, without volunteers, we would not be running. Uh, they're definitely our backbone of our facility. What do and, they do? Uh, uh, there's, a different, there's different types of volunteers. The animal care volunteers. You have to be 21 years old to uh, volunteer. 
and uh, one shift a week, basically. And it's generally about 7 to 12 and 12 to 5-ish, right around that. Those are the, the two shifts, and just one shift per week. A lot of people volunteer more than that because they love the center mm-hmm. so much. Um, and you basically take care of the animals. You learn everything. It's not like we have a rescue team and a, and a cleaning team. It's like you start off right. with cleaning and feeding the animals, administering their medications and their vitamins, and then you just move up from there. You know, mm-hmm. you, uh, you become an animal handler when you mm-hmm. have to. Uh, you actually start doing rescues after a while. Um, and uh, it basically is as much as you want to do. I mean, I started as a volunteer, and I guess I was lucky enough to start during El Nino, where I got thrown right into the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, so so um, then we also have volunteers in education mm-hmm. and our gift shop. Um, obviously, education is a huge part of uh, Pacific Marine Mammal Center. We have a camp going on right now, actually. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the year, we have classes that come through. And, uh, you know, our goal is to not have any animals at our facility. And mm-hmm. by education, that helps a lot. You know, educa- it? Ed- education getting the kids of Orange County and uh, the way to treat your, your ocean, mm-hmm. um, not, not polluting an in the Inland Empire. You know, people are like, it's not going to go into the ocean. Well, yeah, it is. It's mm-hmm. going to float. Everything that goes into that you know, storm drain goes right. right into the ocean. Just little things like that. So field trips come from the Inland Empire? Oh, yeah, all over, all all over Orange County. And, um, yeah. Hmm. Wow. See, I hardly knew about this place. I think the first time was T. Jefferson Parker's novel. And then it kind of drifted out of my uh off my radar you could, well you could almost go by it it's tucked in canyon road although it's gotten a little is it more noticeable since the renovations yes I where mean, is it on the canyon it's right next to the dog park uh, oh, sure, and, okay. and we share the same parking lot as the animal shelter mm-hmm. the closest road is el toro okay um, about, a, about a quarter mile from el toro road when we were talking earlier, you, you said that um, you started talking about the busy season, and I said, don't talk about that now. Let's talk about it on the radio. <laughs> what were you talking about? Uh, busy season. Um, sea lions are born in June, and they're usually born off on the islands that Chris was talking about at Santa Barbara Island and all mm-hmm. the other uh, southern channel islands here. Um, so obviously they can't get over here because they're way too young until they get to about six months old, which is... December, January. At that point, we have big winter storms happening. So you got these little sea lions that think they're all bold and stuff, and they go swimming one day out a little further than they should, mm-hmm. and then they get lost and end up on our coastline, and they still need mom. And unfortunately, they've lost mom, or something might have happened sure. to mom. You know, so then they start showing up in January. Uh, then elephant seals are born in January, but they're born on our coastline and also offshore, and they only stay with mom for about a month. And then after that, it's like they, mom kicks them out, and they're just on their own pretty mm-hmm. much. And so they go, come floating around. I call them um, olives on, t- on toothpicks because that's what they look like. They've got these giant heads and real skinny bodies, <laughs> and they float up on our shoreline at right around birth weight, you know, 60 to 80 pounds. And so mm-hmm. these guys would literally just eventually just die. They'd just starve to death. Mm-hmm. And so we, of course, as humanita- also a humanitarian organization, we, we pick them up and give them a second chance. I mean, I think we do enough damage as human beings that giving these guys a second chance isn't that big of a deal. And we don't affect the population whatsoever. Some people say, why don't you just let the animals die? It's like, you (laughs) see a dog on the side of the road starving to death, you're not going to let it die, you know? It's just our nature, you know? That's what they call us humans. Yeah. At what age are they, can they be on their own and survive? They can be. They actually can be on their own that young. That's what mom, it's all instinct, basically, Mm -hmm. with with elephant seals. Sea lions, their mom actually stays with them for six months to oh, really? more than more than two years sometimes. Um, and then harbor seals are born in March, and so we start getting them in April. So you see we have January, February, and then April. Mm-hmm. We're getting three of our main species in, and by, you know, I guess, our busy season would be probably February through June, hmm. where we, we might, like I said, have upwards of 100 animals there. 
You know, I don't hear much about it anymore, but um, I recall this was a big problem in San Francisco along the wharf, which is seals up on boats. And I know a while ago there was a, you know, an outcry of yeah. all the seals and down in the Newport. Some of the sea lion. Um, I think sea, it was sea lions. Yeah, they were California sea lions. I think it was about fourteen to eighteen of them hauled out on a uh, a, a pretty big sailboat. And uh, it was like word got around. First it was a couple, and then some other bachelor bulls, you sometimes call them, heard about it. And the next thing you know, there was only a mass sticking out of the water. Mm. The whole thing went underwater, mm. and it made international news. The London Times covered it. And so, what, I mean, what do you, uh, you know, that's a predicament where you can go, well, you know, you don't want your boat to be, you know, your boat to go underwater, and yet... The, the sea lions have a right to be there too. I mean, what do you do about something like that? Well, our, our coastline used to be covered with, with pinnipeds. Seal, you know, seal beach is called seal beach for a reason. You don't uh, see them there anymore, uh, but you see old postcards. Right. It was loaded with seals right. and sea lions. Um, so they have to sleep somewhere. And so basically, if you're a boner, which I'm a boat owner, and if I had it on a mooring out in Newport, I would make sure to put. There's things you can put around your boat to stop the animals from getting on there, you know. And you'll see, you, if you go out there, you'll see the big orange Home Depot buckets on the back. Mm -hmm. And there's that orange uh, safety wrap that you can put sure. around your boat. Uh, stopping from getting on your boat is, mm -hmm. is really the only way to stop them. Um, if you're not using your boat and you're just sitting out there, the sea lions are going to use it. <laughs> yeah, and that's what this sailboat, I believe it was a derelict vessel. Mm -hmm. And, and they, they kind of, they cracked down on that after that incident, uh, the uh, Newport Harbor so it's it's a different hmm. uh it's kind of a different harbor they don't tolerate the derelict boats yeah. and well, for a while they they hosed they were they were allowed the harbor patrol to hose these animals off of boats you know it was like a temporary right. allowance because that's sort of harassing otherwise well that's newport beach too i mean we you know i've talked about that on the show before where um homeless people show up in Newport Beach and, and they're driven to the border. They're driven to Costa Mesa or Laguna Beach. Right. Just get them out. You know, don't do anything for them. Just, you know, get them get them out of town. So it sounds like something <laughs> like that. One of our, one of our, um, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> one of our volunteers, and he's on our um, whale rescue team, his name's Dana Friedman, and he, had, he started a business that was called Seal Guard that uh, he tried to get at Newport. Uh, he would humanely get them off the boats and then help the people to set their boat up so the sea lions wouldn't get on it. Um, unfortunately, they didn't want to, you know, pay, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, there were these, um, these automatic, uh, like, sprinkler devices that if... I think they had sensors and they would, they would squirt... They would kind of squirt at the at the sea line if they if they crossed the sensor or something about something yeah. like that didn't do anything. No. You know. Plus, it was salt water too. You get salt water squirted all over your boat. It does a little damage to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It does Especially more damage than the nice sea line. Teak they they were trying a lot of things, but you know. Well, we are going to take a short break, and I I so want to thank you, Dean, for taking the time here with. Uh, uh, Everything, I mean, we could spend a couple more hours talking about the work you're doing, Pacific Marine Mammal Center, and if people want to get involved, should they visit the website? or yeah, they can visit the website or come by our place. We're open every single day from 10 to 4. It's absolutely free. We do take donations, though. But, uh, yeah, or they go to our website, pacificmmc.org, and you okay. can find out ways to help. There's actually um, an application you can fill out and uh, 
send in and fax, fax it in or bring it by. And you, you know, volunteering does help you live longer. Did you know that? It does, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it does. That's one. There was a study. I talked about this on the show before, too, but what the heck? It's my show. I can talk about it again. There was a study done <laughs> why women live longer, and it's because women tend to be the volunteers. I mean, With one women, element, yeah. you know, just the giving aspect. Women and, live and longer anyway. I, reaching I, reaching out and helping, you know, and, and so... Uh, of course, men want to live longer, too, so they should get down there and help you. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and a lot of ladies being there will help us get more <laughs> men there, hopefully, because we need some men out there. <laughs> We're going to take a short break, so stay with us. We'll be back with C.J. Bonson, and Dean will still be with us, um, chiming in on uh, about sharks and seals and sea lions from a different, perhaps a, a slightly different point of view. So uh, don't go anywhere. And welcome back to the DeMarco Polo Show on 88.9 KUCI-FM in Irvine. We're on the web as well at KUCI.org and iTunes College Radio. And these shows, um, all of the DeMarco Polo shows that have been on Mondays are now podcasts. And this one will go up soon, I would say, in the next few days. And um, you can find them by going to KUCI.org and then click on KUCI Talk. And they should all be there. You have to uh, scan down a bit to find the DeMarco Polo Show. But you can listen to, to all the shows that have aired so far. And I'm here today with Dean Gomersall and CJ Bonson. They're both still here. Hello, you guys. Hello, Barbara. CJ Bonson lives by residentially in Southern California and Northwest Ohio. His articles and essays have appeared in the New York Times, Los Angeles Times Magazine, Orange Coast, Scuba Diving, Ocean, and Memoir. He's an assistant editor at Narrative Magazine and is co-writing story and narration for Seal Island, a nature documentary voiced by actor J- Edward James Olmos to be released in 2012. And there's a trailer we hope. at, <laughs> at riofilms.com that you can you can see hello hello there hello there so talk about the documentary a bit what okay. we've been working on this for a while yeah too long but but we needed the time um it it's it's going on 6 years and um because we've we've made it with uh, a shoestring budget or less than that and we've had to do our other jobs in between making the film and uh there was a there was a lot of shots we we weren't quite getting of these animals, but we didn't realize we didn't have the shot until we got further along in the film. Like we needed a mating scene, we could not we could not capture two sea lions mating. It's really hard to get, and most of our and you trips can't make an appointment. No, and you can't direct them. We tried that. <laughs> um, yeah, we asked for a, a bit more passion and. Uh, you don't get that. So most of these trips, by the way, were out to San Nicolas Island, which is the uh, westernmost island of the Channel Islands chain. So what would that be across from in terms of Southern California? Oh, uh, off Ventura, uh-huh. about 72 miles off Ventura. And um, we would take, uh, we would leave out of Point Magoo. We had to get clearance from the Navy's public affairs, and they did a background check on us. And, and Dean's been there to that island a couple times as well. And uh, I went to observe the behavior while Ellen de Herrera, the director, filmmaker, shot these animals. But it gave me an idea of their behavior so I could better write about them. Um, I should say I'm co-writer and uh, of the film along with Alan. So, 
It's, it's a phenomenal island. It's like the land that time forgot, mm-hmm. except there happens to be a, a little tiny Navy base called Nicktown way up in the corner, and, but the rest of it is, is you well, know... Why hasn't it ever been exploited? I mean, why hasn't it ever been turned into a tourist... Because the Navy park? also happens to test missiles oh, off there and do SEAL, um, Navy SEAL operations. But there's a there's like an environmental uh, liaison, Grace, which I remembered her last name. She's great, mm-hmm. who who sort of monitors and makes sure um, the animals aren't impacted too mm-hmm. much. Okay. And so you have elephant seals there, sea lions, harbor seals. I think some north, yeah, fur northern fur seals, living exactly as they really live. There, there's just no real influence. Other than I guess the occasional C five flying over, mm-hmm. but um, so it's when we observe uh, seals there, it, I think it's the purest form of watching the animals because they're they're not on a dock, they're not there aren't humans staring at them. Um, even the navy personnel are not allowed down in this area. Um, where they where the rookeries are mm-hmm. and where the rookeries are they're not allowed to do operations you know so i'm curious and i i probably know this i probably know this somehow or or it's tucked back in my brain somewhere because i've known you for a long time but when i first met you you were um not writing about creatures of the sea i mean you've written some mm-hmm. essays articles mm-hmm. now um you were you were doing other types of work, and yeah. so I. So when did it change? I mean, what happened that you started writing essays about swimming with sea lions and uh, seals? Well, and it's it's similar to Dean's almost um, conversion when he first went to the Mammal Center, and uh-huh. he and he, uh, and he saw what it was like. Well, I um, when I met Alan, he happened to already have a trip to Guadalupe Island in the works to film Great Whites mm-hmm. for what would be this film we're working on now. And uh, it, it involves cage diving. Um, about I think it, the island is about 150 miles off uh, the coast of Baja. It, you see this island in Shark Week all the time mm-hmm. now because it What's has Shark Week on uh, Discovery Channel. You oh. don't know Shark Week I in August? Know. It started yesterday. It started last night. Bingo! Right. <laughs> Very relevant to talk about this. <laughs> um, and so they they now feature that the waters off that island because. It's so clear there. You'll get over 100-foot visibility on a good day, whereas you don't get that in Australia or South Africa. You know, the waters are murkier. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we went. the next thing you know, um, I thought, I, I, I'd like to, maybe I could pitch that to the L.A. Times. You know, I was freelancing. Mm-hmm. And I, I pitched it just on a whim, and she she jumped on it, Catherine Ham, travel editor. So next thing you know, I guess I'm going. And I had never, you know, I wasn't even a certified diver. I had never been on a long voyage. In, it's called a liveaboard because you're living on a boat for mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. six days. And it took 22 hours to get down there. And uh, it puts you in a wetsuit and they put a 60-pound weight vest on you. And then you go down in the cage, you know, so you don't float around. You're in this weight vest and you're down for an hour at a time. And... Um, didn't see the first shark for about oh 45 minutes and then alan was right next to me filming um waiting to film and he tapped me on the shoulder and he pointed and i saw my first gray white coming out of the murk materializing 
coming under the cage, and the cage has got, you know, it's like uh, Swiss cheese. You can look right, right through it. Right. And it was a 15-foot uh, female named Scarbird, I think. And uh, she was so beautiful that I forgot to be, you know, scared, mm -hmm. and, and there was no Jaws fear sure. at all. And that moment is what started my whole, you know, the hmm. sea creature mm -hmm. uh, fetish I now have. So interesting. Yeah. So you, and you, you've written beautifully about a lot, uh, I mean, so many of your experiences, and, um, well, and I wonder if you would read, will you read the beginning of this? This is an essay. Uh, I'm looking at an essay that was in Orange Coast Magazine. Oh, it's Jane. mine. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, will you read this other thing? No, it's an essay that was in Orange Coast Magazine in the January 2012 issue in the uh, My Orange County um, column. And um, just just read the beginning, just like down to the hiatus. Okay. Because well, this sort of this this is so much about what we're talking about, where um, so much is happening with sea lions and creatures of the sea due to our own humans' either ignorance or uh, entitlement or survival. I don't know. I don't know what why why we do what we do, but. Well, I'll try. It's a little bit dim in here. See if I can read yeah, this. Uh, oh, thank you. I could use a little more light. All right. Okay. Well, this was called uh, A Scrap for the Profaned, and uh, my editor is Mar Marty Smith on this. He's the editor-in-chief at Orange Coast, one of my favorite editors. Uh, and it goes like this. Ellen and I have just emerged from the mouth of a slip in Dana Point Marina, each of us trying to control the drift and yaw of our kayak. The evening current is a rippled conveyor belt taking us with it as we paddle between rows of yachts and sloops. We're not long underway when I hear moist, heavy breathing from behind. I look back to find a lone sea lion trailing us, head lifted above water. A juvenile male, judging by his size and dark color, something hangs from his mouth. Seeing it too, Alan asks, does he have a fish? I don't know. If he does, why, does he, why doesn't he swallow it? Usually, a cruising sea lion has a surface and dive rhythm, going under for a time, then re-emerging somewhere unexpected, as if teleported. But this one in our wake stays at the surface, and there's a heavy, there's a, there's a heaving sound to his respiration. Something's wrong, but what? January's distress season for California sea lions, the time of year when yearlings become lost and are blown to shore by storms, half-starved and disoriented. But the big winter storms haven't hit yet, and this fellow is no yearling. Ellen is a little ahead as we enter a wider harbor channel, the sequin blue of the Pacific stretching beyond the jetty walls. To the west, a yoky sun wanes behind a forest of sailboat masts in soft sway. I slow to a coast and look over his shoulder to check on our tag-along. From a distance, he resembles a panting dog. As the sea lion skims in closer, I see that it isn't his tongue hanging out, and there's nothing in his mouth. His lower jaw is mangled, bent straight down, petrified. No blood. The traumatic injury is not fresh, and the jawbone 
has had time to re-knit itself to the skull at a tragic angle. We drift in wordless pity for this being that scuds in close, coming nearer than a healthy wild sea lion would. Onyx eyes peer at us, dark chocolate fur sleeked wet against his form. What do you think happened to him? I ask Alan, a nature filmmaker who has documented the lives of California marine mammals for many years. Probably a seal bomb, he says, hooking one end of his paddle to my bow to join our boats. Fishermen will stick one inside a dead fish, light it, then toss it to a sea lion. Hey, Yikes, that was C.J. Bonson reading from A Scrap for the Profaned in Orange Coast Magazine, January 2012, and it goes on from there, but... Um, Those were Dean's kayaks, by the way. Uh, we <laughs> departed from his boat. Thank you, Dean. <laughs> You're listening to the DeMarco Polo Show on 88.9 KUCI-FM in Irvine. I'm with C.J. Bonson and Dean Gomersall with the Pacific Marine Mammal Center, and we're talking about sea lions and whales and seals and sharks and creatures of the sea. So let's talk for a minute about um, this, I mean, just for a short minute about, ta- about writing essays and how, you, how this one began. Did it, and did it come out in, in just one spill, or, or what? It did. Uh, it it kind of came out uh, in, a, in a spill, where they, they all don't do that. And um, like my other nature essays, they, um, I, don't just, I didn't just go home and uh, write that essay. I did journal it, though right after it happened. I just kind of wrote a logistical journal of what happened. No, but I keep a nature journal. Uh When something happens to me out in nature, I will make an entry about it. So it's not a daily thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a year went by after that happened, and it was still itching at me. And uh, um, I, I don't know what... That's how it happens. Suddenly you can't not write about it. And... uh this is how it began. Alan and I have just emerged from the mouth of a slip in the Dana Point Marina. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I tried to change that open, and it didn't want to be changed, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, with an essay, you have to submit it on spec, meaning the whole thing has to be written already for the editor to decide yes or no. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew Marty, you know, it was always that way. And uh, he really, you know... He did a great job um, helping edit it, but not a lot of not a lot of things were touched, which is a compliment to me because he, you know, he is a stickler about mm-hmm. finding things mm-hmm. wrong with a piece. So. Yeah, it's a great piece, and you have another one in mm. Ocean Magazine, right? Ocean, mm-hmm. the one that I couldn't that I didn't think to find before we came about swimming with a sea lion. Or uh, seal. Harbor seal. Harbor seal. And that was at Little Corona, mm-hmm. which we were just talking about earlier. Um, and uh, I was out there alone snorkeling. Lifeguard was off duty because they have a little lifeguard chair there. I don't know if there's ever a lifeguard down there, <laughs> to be honest. It's, oh, there it is, yeah, actually, in the summer. Busy summer days. Right. And because uh, you live right by there. I went out there and I was uh, swimming around and... Um, I got out toward a kelp bed, and they, they've um, restored some kelp there. And it's really gotten, you know, to be a nice uh, mm-hmm. kelp forest mm-hmm. or kelp garden out sure. there. So that attracts sea life. And 
I was out there, and, and all of a sudden, I'm looking down towards some kelp, and a big uh, gray, blurry thing went by, and it, and it scared me so much, I swallowed some seawater, you know, through my snorkel. I, I, maybe I spit it out, and because uh, it was just eerie, and it was pretty big. And then I kept going, and it happened again. Same thing. I swallowed some seawater because it was just so spooky. This thing was just like <laughs> there, and then it, was? it wasn't there. Well, I thought it could have been, you know, I probably thought it could have been a um, something menacing because it was. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking a great way. To, it's just, it's just something. Right. It, it was ghostly. Yeah. And so, next thing you know, it's a harbor seal peeking around at me, and she had these. I, I call her female, but I'm not sure big you know plum eyes and she uh they're so shy you know they're shy compared to uh sea lions is mm -hmm. that fair to say oh, yeah. dean yeah yeah and uh, you know they're timid and she started playing peekaboo with me and uh and the next thing you know she's coming closer and we're staring at each other about five feet apart and we surfaced together and just her little face was you know above water and my head's above water, and we're just sitting there staring <laughs> at each other in this beautiful moment. Nobody was on the beach to witness it, and uh, I stuck my head underwater and thought, how can she float like that, so still? What yeah. is she doing that I... <laughs> and I looked underwater, and, and just a it's tiny right. movement from her hind flipper, but really nothing, and uh, you know, a heart-shaped a heart -shaped nose, so they're, they're really beautiful. I mean... It, after seeing one like that, became one of my favorite. And so I, 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 I talk about her almost like she's a mermaid in this piece. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, w it was really magnificent. And nothing's happened since. But that's also what made Alan start filming sea lions. He had an encounter with a California sea lion. So it, it, oh, really? when you see him out there in the water, it does something to you. <sighs> it's different than, you know, seeing him on a dock. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and then you a beautiful essay came out of that. Well, thank you. Another beautiful essay. It's one essay. of my favorites. Yeah, it's great. We have a few minutes left with C.J. Bonson and Dean Gomersall, and um, you, when we were talking, we back to sharks, you were talking about, I, I was talking about the fear, you know, how we fear sharks, mm -hmm. we have all this fear, and then you started mm -hmm. talking about shark dreams and shark sense, and I said, don't, don't talk about it now, because we won't talk about yeah. it in there. Yeah, you cut talk me about off. That. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, uh, yeah, I, I'd want Dean, Dean to chime in on if he's ever heard about this, but with great whites in particular, um, for me it was after I saw them down in that cage at Guadalupe Island, mm -hmm. they, they invade your dreams because they're such a primordial, you know, they're linked to us on a deep primordial level, hmm. like other things. And so, it's, it was kind of like a haunting, and it, it's, uh, they were more chilling in my dreams than they were in, you know, mm -hmm. the real, the real sure. experience. Because I guess you start thinking, what if, what if one would have come through the cage, or mm -hmm. what, what if, like, I was really there with them. This mm -hmm. is a dream, but it's, it's true too, but uh, I th I'm not sure if if you, if people have had dreams about gray whites before they they're going to go see them. But um, it, it's it's talked about in Devil's Teeth, um, that that book written by mm -hmm. a, a woman from Sports Illustrated, okay. Shark Dreams. But it was something a phenomenon I never had happen. 
where I had the experience with them and they invaded my dreams and kind of haunted me a little bit. But it, but it was kind of um, it was kind of nice. Though, Have you heard of anything? Like I, this I've, game? I've never seen a great white out in the uh, a lot of live great white underwater. So I no. uh, I've had shark so dreams before, definitely without <laughs> without yeah yeah. I'm always you know when I'm in the water, I try to think about it. But every once in a while, you think about it. Like you said, when the harbor seal went by you. Mm-hmm. The first time you see that California sea lion, you know, zip by you, you're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> this is a sea lion. Good, Just because they're good. big. And yeah. when you're out in Santa Barbara Island, it's only a 1.3 mile island. There's nothing out there except for sea lions, and that's where great whites are. That's uh-huh. what they eat. Uh. Mm-hmm. And so you know they're out there, and so you're always kind of looking behind your back a little bit. You really can't worry about them because there's nothing you can do anyway. If a great white wants to eat you, he's going to eat you. So there is I try not to worry. <laughs> right. There is something called shark sense that, that divers have talked about where you feel one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel the presence of one You're without seeing it. Yeah. Uh, can you, you know. Yes. I, 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 I could have sworn I saw one one time. And it was, uh, I was getting ready to get on a boat um, right off the rookery at, in Santa Barbara Island. And there was our education coordinator at the time, uh, Meg, was snorkeling about 40 feet away from the boat and I see what I think is a tail in the murky water I don't know if it was my imagination or whatever mm-hmm. but it's heading towards her and I'm like I could sit here and yell say Meg get over here or I can say nothing at all because nothing I could do anyway mm-hmm. except for freak her out and I wasn't yeah. sure that yeah. I saw anything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so when she got back to the boat I was like let's get out of the water I might have seen the shark <laughs> oh. you know? well and that's yeah you know that's interesting because uh, you know down in the cage mm-hmm. you would think you'd see one it it looked like a, a shadow. Then the shadow would would just fade away, or it would become this gray mist, and then the mist would assemble into a, a shape, and then the shape would have this swishing tail and become really defined, and then it would suddenly come out from behind a, a curtain of murk and be a full blown great white. You know, there's there's just nothing. And so you, you, your mind starts playing tricks, you know. Mm. Is that one right there on the perimeter of <laughs> my visibility? So. Uh, well, we are at the end of our time. What what should we leave listeners with? Well, one thing, or two things. One is your um, you, the film trailer for your documentary oh. is at riofilms.com. That, that works. And we also have a fan page on Facebook, which is uh, Seal Island Movie. Okay. That time, so please fan us there. Some great photos um, of behind the scenes you know, animals and filming. such. And uh, the Pacific Marine Mammal Center's website is again PacificMMC.org. Okay. And again, we're open every day, ten to four. Yeah. Please come on by. It's different every day. And <laughs> if uh, you out there are looking for for something to do to make yourself feel good, or to live longer. Or live longer. <laughs> like that. Idea. Or live longer. Uh, reach out and and uh, volunteer. Um, called the Pacific Marine Mammal Center and uh, give give help help these creatures because they need it um, we're at the end of our time we'll be back next Monday at 5 until then you're listening to the DeMarco Polo Show on 88.9 FM KUCI in Irvine good night folks thank you Barbara